right, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management, we talk about rehab after surgery, we talk about improved mobility, and we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. Hey, Dr. Rick, thank you very much for joining Core Radio. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm great, Scott. How are you? I'm well, man. I, I dated it. It's like it is night out there as I look in my studio and I look out the window. By the way, it's super cold here. Is super it? Cold. Yeah, it's super cold. It's, it's, un, it's just ridiculous for Louisiana, as you can imagine. We don't like cold. How cold is it? Ah, geez, it was about 20 degrees. And of course, you, you look on the weather thing and it's like, feels like 13. And of course, I'm running outside to feel what 13 feels like. <laughs> it's just Louisiana. What the, what the hey, man? Anyway. All right. We're going to do a little uh, sort of Q&A on this particular conversation because I think people need to understand a little bit about Dr. Rick and the massive capabilities that you bring to this particular podcast. Are you game? Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I am. It, uh, right off the bat, as I look at your stack card, there's a landing page. I tried to find you on LinkedIn. Are you on LinkedIn? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I am. You had to look to the to your side right over there and then saying, yeah, you're out on LinkedIn. Well, I got to find it because, because this particular landing page has some incredible information. Just right off the bat, give us a little background on who you are, and because we're going to dive into this information, give us a little background for the listeners on who you are and why you're such an incredible, well, doctor. Well, I don't mean any of that, but I grew up in Miami and uh, went to medical school at University of Miami. And are you man, a, are you a hurricane? I'm a hurricane. With that, tried and true. Did you guys get do okay with the, the the this year's season? Did you? Did you guys uh, do well in the football? Did you? Well, we did well in the football when I was there, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were legendary back then. Yeah, okay. But, 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 but okay, subsequently, we had our issues. <laughs> um, so after medical school, uh, trained at uh, Washington University in St. Louis, and then in Philly, did a sports medicine fellowship in Philadelphia. And uh, during that time, I took care of the Philadelphia Flyer hockey team, which was very interesting and pretty fun and um kind of got hooked on hockey a little bit it was a guy named bobby clark who was a gm and we became really good friends and the head coach and i became good friends a guy named mike keenan and i ultimately ended up taking care of uh, a lot of athletes for him when he was with the chicago blackhawks and then when he came to st louis as a head coach I became the team doctor for the St. Louis Blues hockey team. I did that for a number of years and then was offered a little bit of a better job in Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Lightning. And I uh, was a team doctor there. We won the Stanley Cup and subsequently got offered a better job at Florida, the Florida Panthers. And I basically said, look, if I'm going to change jobs here, I don't really want to make another lateral move. I want to be part of the ownership group. So I became part of, I became a team doctor, head team doctor, and became part of the medical group. And in, during that time, I was practicing in St. Louis, athletes were coming to St. Louis, 
And there was a guy you never heard of named Ivory Crockett. Ivory Crockett was a sprinter, and he was one of the greatest sprinters ever lived. He, he uh, still holds a record in the 100-yard dash that no one runs anymore. But he broke the record, and then they switched it to the 100-meter dash, and Ivy Crockett tore his Achilles tendon. Oh. That wasn't good. And um, we treated him. And again, we became good friends. And he called me one day and he said, hey, there's a lady in East St. Louis I want you to look at. She hurt her ankle. She's getting ready for the Olympic trials. Would you mind driving over there? So East St. Louis, probably, I don't know, 20, 30 miles from St. Louis in Illinois. I went over. And uh, that kind of started really the whole process. Her name was Jackie Joyner Kersey. She was a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that name sounds familiar. You heard of her. And yeah. uh, go ahead. No, no, that keep going, man. I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream here in your story. I, uh, I'll, I'll give you just a little four one one on. I, I, I was doing something down in San Diego. There was a sprinter. She was uh, uh, from Bermuda, and we were playing <clears throat> touch football. And I sort of threw the football lateral to her, right? <laughs> just sort of here, run. That's world class when when they just disappear. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she's not at that level. All I just remember is like, well, I, I didn't know about that gear, but you got it. <laughs> she's gone. Anyway. There's some great sprinters from Bermuda too. Oh. So, so I took care of Jackie, and it's kind of a funny story. She was going to the world championships or the national championships at first, and uh, so I flew out to Indianapolis to watch her, and her husband, who was her coach. It was a guy named Bobby Percy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I sat next to Bobby in the stands. There wasn't anybody in the stands. There probably was 15 people in the stands. Of course, this was 1988 or something or, nine, you know, years ago. And Bobby didn't talk to me for three days. He wouldn't say one word. So at the end, she made the Olympic team. And uh, Bobby and I have been probably best friends ever since. So he's probably sent me. 1,200, 1,300 professional athletes, Jerome Bettis. I mean, I can go down the list. But, you know, that started the – that really is what started the whole process. Ty Law, who was a, who's a Hall of Fame yeah. corner. Um, yeah. Aeneas Williams. I mean, it just it – just on and on and on. And so, based on that, uh, I got very popular in the track and field world. Did a lot of track and field, obviously a lot of hockey because I was a team doctor for three teams. And once you get known in these circles, you know, you, you become the guy. I mean, it's 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 very interesting. So if the right corner sees you and the left corner gets hurt, the left corner is going to want to see you. If the middle linebacker sees you, the outside linebacker is going to want to see you. So we would see just and still do see just tremendous numbers of athletes in those sports, track and field, NFL and in the NHL and uh that kind of started the process so covered the last five Olympics and have seen uh, innumerable today we probably saw two or three NFL guys I saw a major league baseball guy just just day after day the, the, you know it's just it's just a fun practice and I'm going to digress a little bit and we talk a little bit about hockey and we we you mentioned it and definitely you <clears throat> So you weren't there when the Blues won the the Stanley Cup. Oh, I was there. Were you there? Sure. Got a buddy there that. Uh, I got a great picture of uh, ah. which I can send you. Um, yeah, you can send that. me. 
Uh, yeah, you can send me. I'm not going to refuse any picture. That's for doggone sure. But go ahead. Tell me about that. Well, you know, so, so when, when the blues, the blues changed ownership um, and I actually helped the owner uh, a little bit, um, the guy, Mr. Stillman, who owns the blues, it was kind of a long story. And it's always tough when, it, when there's a change of ownership. Yeah, yeah. I had called the governor and I said, or, or Mr. Bevan, I said, hey, you know, I think this guy is going to be a tremendous asset to um, the NHL. And uh, he ended up getting the team. I think they were going to, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I don't really know all the, all the backdrop of it. But um, so at the time, you know, I was offered a little piece of the team, which I didn't take. I, I'd owned the Panthers. And um, I was ready to probably move on. And I, I always felt that we were going to buy another pro sports team. It would be an NFL team. And we have a little group that have tried to do that a couple of times. And based on that, um, you know, I've always been close to the Blues just because I was a team doctor. I live in St. Louis and the Blues have never won the Cup. So when they won the Cup, uh, it was a pretty remarkable yes. feat. And uh, the head broadcaster, the guy named Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues, who's uh, probably one of my best buddies, I've probably taken care of his family for 30 years. So we have some pretty close ties to the Blues, both in the media and in the sports world. And, you know, clearly, if you grow up in St. Louis or you're living in St. Louis, you're going to love the Cardinals, you're going to love the Blues. It's just, yeah. just no other way. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like if you're from Louisiana, you love LSU. Thank you very much for putting that out there. You're absolutely. In fact, from coming from California, uh, just like the Borg, when we moved out to Louisiana, I was assimilated into the LSU family because you have to be. You can't have. You can't live here without the LSU being injected into your arm. That's for doggone sure. And then all of a sudden, I'm just a big old homer for them too, and I get upset, and I'm the worst fan there. <laughs> I am. It's awful. And then you have a season like we had this year. Like you take the national championship and then all of a sudden you're looking around and go, what's this? What, what happened? Not anyway, I digress. Absolutely. Here's a funny thing. And I want to make sure that um, I got it. I'm, I'm starting to get more into hockey. I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm all into the, the Vegas folks. That's just a great because team. they are, and I just and I don't I don't know the particulars. I'm learning, right? Just like anything else. By the way, listeners out there, you got to start learning hockey because it's an incredible sport. And talk about athletes. I remember uh, ice skating one time, and it, I thought I was going to die. And they just are out there. They're just like out there, zipping around fast as can be. So, with that said, the Blues. Uh, the lightning, how much of that, that success of the team, like there's coaching, there's strategy, there's all this stuff. And of course the players don't get me wrong, comes down to that health component. Well, you know, it's a good question. I, I think, I think you have to have a lot of luck because obviously if you have a lot of injuries, I mean, a perfect example is the Kansas city Chiefs Super Bowl. The two tackles were injured and they got crushed. Now, would they have won if their two tackles weren't injured? You know, maybe not. Who knows? But certainly, if the, it's a luck of the draw. So if your goalie gets hurt and 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 you uh, 
have to go to your second or third string goalie, you're obviously hugely disadvantaged. So the less missed man games you have, the better. And that was a big thing in Tampa Bay. We had very few missed man games. And this year, the Blues really didn't have a whole lot of, or the years they won it two years ago, didn't have a whole lot of injuries. But really, in hockey, it's a little different. In hockey, you got to be ready for the playoffs. Everyone has to be healthy for the playoffs. So during the season, it doesn't really matter. It, it's a meat grinder. It, right. uh, every time that 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 playoff season begins in the NHL, it I, I don't know how I don't know how I don't know how the humans can do that because it is it's a grinder. And it's, it just, it's a tough sport. And, and it is. You know, we talk about it how, how tough the Stanley Cup run is. And, and the only thing worse probably is the Tour de France, you know, 20 days riding up <laughs> 110 miles up straight up the mountain. That's, that's a rough ride as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm telling you, they're not getting slammed up against the side of the, no. on the boards and, and then, you know, traveling at, I don't even know how fast they skate. They just skate fast. And, and it's gotten so much faster. Like when I started with the flyers, um, I mean, they were fast and they were big. They've gotten so much bigger and so much. The game is it's like the NFL versus college. It, 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 I mean, you know, in the NFL, you get a guy who's, I don't know, 6'4", 335, he runs a 4940. It'd be like hitting, getting hit with a Mercedes. And the, the, the problem is in hockey, these guys are 6'5", 6'6", and they are so fast. They move the puck so fast. The game is just unbelievable when you watch it. I, I can't. I, I mean, if, if I try to – no, I, I'm telling you, I try to watch it on – on TV, because we live in Louisiana, we don't really have much hockey down here. But when I did, I was in uh, uh, at, at Atlanta, so I was able to, uh, you know, join. That's the only way I could see the puck. TV, I can't see the puck. You can't see the puck. I can't see it, man. Right. And 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 they're just it 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 is a stunning athlete. And I would imagine on your part to be able to keep them in the game, keep them healthy. And be able to develop that strategy around that professional athlete is all key to that. You have to. There's no, well, I mean, there's a lot of components. I mean, one component is the component starts immediately in camp, right? You look at imbalances, you look at previous injuries, you're trying to prevent the problem during yeah. the season. You're looking at performance, like probably 50, 60% of what I do is performance related. It's not so much fixing them and then rehabbing them, but it's looking at somebody who's had an ankle injury and trying to make them run faster, make them push off harder, make them go front to back faster. So a lot of our stuff is performance oriented, how you can skate faster, how you can be more efficient. So based on all that, you know, being a good hockey player is not enough. You have to be a phenomenal skater. You have to have unbelievable hands. You have to be able to see all the ice. So there's so much learning that goes into what we do, teaching an athlete, kind of all these different components and it's the same in track and field you say well you run as fast as you can well it doesn't really work that way so it's all biomechanics it's like your car you know if your tires are just a touch out of alignment it's a whole different deal than if your car is running perfect and you know it yeah you, you can definitely feel it and, and i know your listeners out there you, you you understand exactly what that means now let me talk a little bit about uh, uh track and field are you engaged with the uh, upcoming uh, summer olympics yeah, so we've got we've got a number of great athletes that will be going over. Um, if there is going to be a Summer Olympics, which right yeah. now is very much up in the air. Yeah, it's squiffy. Right. You know, and the, the Japanese people don't want it. And there's there's turmoil right now in, in Tokyo over this whole thing. You know, 
thousands of people coming in potentially with COVID. So we're getting a lot of pushback, which is why we delayed it from last year. And so I don't know if there'll be Olympics, but right now we've got a lot of athletes training, getting ready to try to make the national team, the Olympic team, and we'll see what happens. But there's, there's nothing, you know, your, your Bermuda girl, there's, there's nothing more amazing than watching. Like I saw Michael Johnson break the world's record. I was literally two feet from Michael when he broke the world's record in his shoe. He was, when he did that, he didn't even look like he was even trying. He was super smooth. I remember that. I'm going, can you just dig in a little bit more and make it look like you're, you know, doing it? He was stellar. God. It it was amazing. And and, and I've got a picture in the office standing next to the world's record with a shoe, uh, the sign, the world's record in the The shoe. The golden shoe, right? He had a golden shoe. shoe. That's right. (laughs) No, I, I, I just, it would be disappointing. And if you're, you, Dr. Rick, engaged with the Olympic team, Olympic athlete, making sure that they're prepared, doing what you need to do, performance, all of that good stuff. And, and I can't imagine the mental challenge that that brings. If you're just building up, building up, and then for whatever reason, it doesn't come through, you know, political stuff and all of that stuff. That would be an absolute bummer it's crushing so so if you think of the, if you think of most athletes you know i took care of carl lewis i mean a lot of athletes guys that have been in two or three olympics but most people you know they're going to be in one olympics maybe yeah. right yeah. so so if you think about it most of these people train their whole life for those two weeks yes and and, and that's the whole deal you know it's sort of like if you if you if there was a flower and it was going to open up and bloom for three minutes and you slept through those three minutes or something. So based on that, it, when those when the Olympics get canceled, like it did last time, last year, yeah. you know, half the people can never peak again. Maybe they're a little too old. Maybe they didn't get an injury. Who knows? So it's it's not like baseball where you're going to come back the next season yeah. or, or football, you're going to come back the next season. It's tough to make it another four years to be able to train and be at the peak and be at the top of the world. And so when these things happen, COVID, political, whatever it is, it, it, it's devastating because they most likely are never going to come back. Yeah, see, that's, that's, God, that is, that is, that's devastating. And, and, and their whole life is eat, drink, breathe, can, repeat, eat, and just keep training and training and training forever, each and every day, up at this time, in this bed. And it's, it was funny, I was, uh, doing some work with some NCAA baseball players. <clears throat> LSU, of course, right? That's me. And so it was interesting when I was working with them and we were doing some work and business or whatever. It, it, they, they are so trained to schedules and everything. And so I'm just sitting there going, yeah, just come on in and do this and have a grand time. They just, it, it was not good for them as a athlete because they are trained this way, do it this way. And, 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 and I would imagine it's the same thing. It, I mean, it's just. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they go to bed at the same time at night, they wake up, they have their protein shake at uh, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. They're yep. at the track by nine 15. Yep. They take a two hour nap. I mean, it's just, it's like clockwork and they do it. Like you said, the same every time. Years. 
years. years. Right. It's just like it ended and to shift gears. Now, with that said, and I'm always into the, that whole future component, right? I am. Is where do you see it? Because you've seen, you know, with being with the Flyers, you're saying, yeah, they were picked. They were, they were good. But then you're able to sort of contrast that with, you know, the players today. And you can see the difference. Where, where is this all going? I mean, from that perspective, I just, I just, I don't know, man. Well, well, I think in football, we're going to have to fix the problem. The problem in football is huge. Why is it? The guys were so big and so strong, you know, and with concussions and oh. some of the issues that are occurring now, yeah. we're either going to have to put a weight limit on football players or we're going to have to take off the helmets. We're going to have to do something because the incidence of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, brain disease yeah. is going through the roof. So that's a problem. And, and it used to be, it was just a problem in the pros. And then it was just a problem, you know, in D1 at LSU, the guys were big. But now the guys, you know, we're seeing kids that are 15, 16, 6'4", 280. They're going to be 6'5", 350. And like you said, where's it all going to end? And the problem is with your brain isn't any better or any stronger. Your ACL isn't any better than any stronger was 200 yeah, years ago, that's a good point. but you're three times the size that you were 200 years yeah. ago. Yeah. So as you said, what's going to give and what's going to give is your, your brain and your ACL and your Tommy John. And so what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Because I, you know, I, I, I got into uh, rugby, right. Ooh. And yeah, and, but they don't have helmets. No but helmet. then they get all stitched up on the you know, on the pitch, right? All right, you're back out there, slap some duct tape around your head, whatever it is, get back out there. But it, uh, where, where do you, th- I mean, are they, I mean, something's got to happen because they're fast as can be too. They're not just, they're not gigantic, not just gigantic and not, I mean, they're, they're fast as can be. Right. And <laughs> you know? you're going to have to do something about this. You're going to, yeah. like I said, you're going to have to either put weight limits in each position and, and the other thing is, you can't take a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", 325 and let him run into a 230-pound running back. That's only going to happen successfully so many times. <laughs> Pity the running back, man. <laughs> it's just I, like, no, I, I don't want that profession at all. No, that's, that's why running backs only last 3.6 years in the league because, yeah. you know, big guys that are, you know, linemen that, that might play 10, 12 years are running into them day in and day out. And you can't take that kind of hit. So someone should say, well, why do running backs have such a short career? And that's the reason. Yeah. And I mean, you have to, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, that's why you can pay the big bucks. That's why you, who you are. I just sit there and I'm going, there's no way. There's no way. I don't know what. And then, and when you start thinking about it, when you start thinking about the, the kids, it's like, when, they're man childs. They're just oh. like, you're just, like, what, what have you been eating? And I, it always fascinates me. And, and, and so um, with that, right. With that said, can, I mean, whatever you're saying, it's pretty cool stuff. I love it. How do I get a hold of you? Uh, well, we're at the U S center for sports medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. I would say over half of our patients don't live in the Midwest and the phone number is 314-909-909. Uh-huh. 1666, or you can get after us on uh, our website, U.S. Center for Sports Medicine. I love this conversation. I could go on and on and on because it's it's a fascinating. What fascinates me is that 
Why is hockey not as big a sport here in the United States? Well, you, you kind of hit it on the head. You know, really, if you think about it, I mean, it's huge in Canada and it's actually huge in Europe, but you can't see the puck. So you, you, it's not really a good television it's true. sport. And anything that's not a good television sport is never going to be as popular as something that is a good television yes. sport. And you, yes. you really can't see the subtleties of hockey. You can't appreciate the speed. Like if you're standing next to the ice and you're watching drills, the noise is deafening. It's it's like not it's like it's like standing on the sidelines of an NFL game and, and, and watching just a killer hit. And and since you can see the ball in football and you can see the play develop, it's something that's made for television. Hockey is very tough. Like you said, you can't see the puck, so you don't really know what's going on. And then they score and you're like, how did that happen? Until they slow it down, you have that's no right. idea how it happened. That's right. The little thing goes, woo, woo. And I'm going, what the where ha hey where was i i just sort of blinked <laughs> and i lost the whole thing it is it's it is god but it is if you ever want to go to a, a, a an event in person hockey it is i mean uh, just get there early man and get down by the ice and watch these guys see outside of the fact that they're already tall slap some skis on them and they're gigantic they're and they're moving around like <laughs> Like fast as could be. Oh, athletes, baby. You yeah. get to see the best. True, true athletes. See? Jeez. And you dropped the Carl Lewis bomb, man. Like, I mean, I, I remember as a kid, just, well, sort of kiddish, but he, he was speed. It was just, his long jumps were like, you wanted him to break that record. I wanted him. Never did. Came close. Carl was amazing. Carl, Carl, Carl had the best balance of anybody I've ever seen in, in 35 years of this. And and he was he was just, you know, he was just different than everybody. He was, I mean, he could long jump, he could sprint, I mean, he could dunk a basketball. I mean, Carl just was Carl. He could Carl could do anything. See, that, that, uh, that's a whole other conversation of just people that just have that ability to be able to do it. Like, there's Carl. He's got it. Whatever oh, it is, he's got it. I don't have it. He's got it. You don't have it. Carl's got it. Yeah, it's big time. All right. Dr. Rick, that's Dr. Rick. We're going to put all that contact information out there so that you can get a hold of him because you need to get a hold of him because he's got great stories as well as he's got mad street cred. You won't go wrong. All right. Thank you, Dr. Rick. Hey, thank you. All right, listeners, once again, thank you very much for joining Core Radio. We're going to have another great uh, interview right around the corner, so, you know, you got to stay tuned. Cheers. Thank you.